You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. So I want to talk to you about what's next, okay? I want to talk to you, we've been celebrating where we've been. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about what's next. And I, I don't know you personally, but I feel like I've got a word for you. I've got a word for you individually, and I've got a word for the church. How many of you know God can do that? God can, God can do that. And, and, so, and so I want to talk to you about three things, and they're basic, foundational, they're simple. Say simple together. How, do you, how many of you know that simple is not easy? Okay? Simple's not, you can't confuse the two. It's going to take some work. But I want to talk to you about three kind of simple things about what's next for you in this next season. Here's, here's the first one, and that's this. There's going to be blessing in the next season. There will be blessing for you, and there will be blessing for this church. How do I know that? Because that's God's nature. I mean, this is an easy one. It's an easy one, but I want to talk about it for a minute. Because it's in the nature, it's who he is. He's a generous God. He's a God who loves to bless. In fact, Psalm 145 and verse 9 says, the Lord is good to most people. Is that what it says? The Lord is good to the people I like. The Lord is good to the Republicans or the Democrats. No, it's... Listen, let me, let me tell you something. What, what does it say? It says all. Tomorrow, when you go to work, and you sit down to, next to someone who just irritates you. Does anybody work with anybody that, don't point, but do you work with, or, you know, somebody that's narcissistic, or, you know, they're selfish, and all of this kind of thing, or, uh, or maybe they look at life totally different than you, and... Yeah. Don't hold the value that you have of your God. You need to understand that God is good to them. They're created in God's image. Because the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. Psalm 145 and verse 9. Look at the next one. Psalm 34 and verse 8. Let's read this one out loud together. You guys read out loud together? We do that in South Carolina just to prove we know how to read. Okay, so let's do it together. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Any testimonies on that? I mean, I love the baptism, and, and that's the beginning of your walk with God. And you're going to taste and see that God is good. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who receives uh, who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So here, here, here's the idea. There's going to be blessing in the next season because it is the nature of God to bless. It's just his nature. He, he does good to all. But here's something I've discovered. And that's that the measure of blessing in the new season is largely dependent on us. Do you know that? God's going to bless you in this next season individually as a church, but it's largely dependent on us. You say, how do you know that, Greg? Because in, in my walk with the Lord and what I see in the, in the scripture is that blessing is often tied to obedience. The, 
the, the, the amount, when I walk in obedience, it's like blessing follows. Doesn't mean every day's great. Doesn't mean you won't have challenges. Now, we'll talk about that in a minute. But blessings tend to follow. They're tied to obedience. In Deuteronomy, it records Israel moving into a new season. They kind of had their anniversary. Now, what's next? We're going to move into a new season. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 is arguably the most important scripture in all of the Old Testament. Jewish people would say in all of the Bible. Uh, Deuteronomy 6.4, it's called the Shema. And it's kind of a liturgical prayer. And uh, it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. And it was a responsibility of a Jewish family to teach this to their kids. When they got up in the morning, when they went to bed at night, when they're along the road, they would teach them the Shema, this liturgical prayer. Now let's take a look at some uh, scripture that, that is around it that kind of puts it into context. Verses 1 through 3 says this. These are the commands, the decrees, and the regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must what? You must obey them in the land that you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you what? Obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to what? Obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. And so, and so he, there's a theme there. Would you agree? If you obey, if you obey, if you obey, God wants to bless you, but blessings are tied to obedience. The next few verses emphasize the importance of that. Teach it to your kids. Set reminders on your iPhones. You know, put sticky notes on your mirror. Whatever it takes, but you need to remember to obey God. And then in a couple of chapters later, in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 7, it talks about their next season, and I want to apply it to your next season of obedience. He says, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. Where was he taking them? To Whole Foods. They were going to Whole Foods. They had everything there. Everything. So this is, this is where you're going. This is what the land's going to look like, right? Look at the next verse. A land where rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. That's interesting. I mean, we're going to Whole Foods and it's going to be rocks in the land and there's copper in the mountains. What's that about? I mean, who cares? I understand the first part, but what, what about that last part? You know, I love digging into the scripture, and I know you guys do too. And, and if you dig into this part, uh, you get context. You, you, you need to know um, when was it written, who was it written to, what was God trying to say to them, and then I can make application to what God might be saying to me. And so when was this written? Uh, it was written uh, during a, an era that w was the end of the Iron Age and the beginning of the Bronze Age. If you studied in school, you know the eras that we're in. And, um, uh, they, they don't just kind of, you have the 
Bronze Age and then the Iron Age and Technology Age and all that. It, they don't butt up like this next to one another. They kind of overlap. And this was written during an overlap period. This was happening during an overlap period of the, of the Iron Age and the Bronze Age. And so the significance of that might be that they, he says, you're going into a land, and this is in the Iron Age, and so people did what? They, they made uh, their weapons out of iron. They cooked with iron. It was a means of commerce. And he said, you're going to a land, and, and the rocks, he says, the rocks that are laying there are going to be made of iron. In other words, the thing that everybody is searching for and looking for, I'm giving you. I'm going to give you. Did Jesus say, seek first the kingdom of God? And all of the things. There, there it is again. Obedience, seek first. Blessing follows that. So he said, everywhere you look, there's going to be what everybody else wants, you're going to find right there, easily, right there. But, but that's not it. This is the overlap of the Bronze Age. And so what's, what's the deal with the copper in the hills? The, the copper is the currency of the next season. One of the things he's saying is that not only am I going to supply you in this season, but you're going to have the technology advantage in the season to come. But there's a caveat on that. You're going to have to dig for it. You're going to have to dig for it. What you need today is there. You're going to have an advantage, but what you're going to need tomorrow, you're going to have to be willing to dig for the blessings of God that got you through the last season and this season are not enough for the season to come. And I would say that's true not only of them, but it's true of you, individually and as a, as a, as a church. What has gotten you where you are is not enough to get you where you're going. But God has what you need, but you're going to have to dig for it. You're going to have to dig for it. How high you go in the next season will be largely determined about how willing you are to dig deeply in this season. And so I want to challenge you just for a minute, if I could. Can I meddle just a little bit? I want to challenge you to dig for some things in this season right now. It's going to be a season of blessing, but I want you to dig deeper in your devotional life. Just in your devotion. I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm 68 years old. I mean, I should have learned all of this stuff. But I'm going deeper right now in my devotional life than I ever have. Just digging deeper because I think there's more out there for me. And I think there's more out there for you. I, you know, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know how, how many of you, how many of you are, are happy when you wake up in the morning? Just raise your hand. How many are happy? You know, I'm, I'm happy for you. I don't really like you, uh, you know, but I'm happy for you. This is, if you knew all about this, this is kind of my deal. And I, <laughs> we have, I was telling, I've told this story to my church a lot because it's just kind of my, my mantra, but uh, just as I left, before I came here, we have a group of older folks that like, uh, they used to stuff the bulletins until COVID killed the bulletins in our church. But every Thursday, and that's their community group, and we're talking, they've got some age on them. You've got a couple that are over 100, uh, one that's large and in charge. Uh, she's only about this big around, but she's 96 years old, and she is in charge of everything there. And you've got all the way down to some young people that are in their late 70s. And they, uh, 
Every Thursday they come, you know, about 20 of them, and they do whatever needs to be done. It's their social group and all that. And the one that's large and in charge, uh, she cornered me just before I was leaving to go here, and she says, I've got to talk to you. This happiness thing you talk about, what's your problem? I, I want to, because here's what I say. Here's what I say. I didn't even tell you what I'm saying. So I don't wake up happy every morning. I just don't. I wake up with, um, some of you are older, you know the old Charlie Brown peanuts, the guy that walked around with a cloud over his head. It's kind of how I wake up in the morning. And so I'm not excited to be here, okay, in the morning. And, um, but that just means I have to fight for my joy. And I don't, and I've studied this, and there are some personalities, if you're sanguine, uh, you just are happy, and if you're more melancholy like I am, you're creative, but not as happy in the morning. You just got to fight for your joy. And so every morning, here's what I do. I have a reminder on my phone. First thing I see every morning is a reminder that says, you have a father who loves you. And he's got a wonderful plan for your day today. And I remind myself of that. And then I get into the scriptures and dig in and and, and, I, and I fight for my joy, and I get my joy. And what she, she's stopping me saying, you know, what's really going on with you? And I said, nothing's going on with me. I'm fine. I'm just angry in the morning, and I'm kind of angry at you right now. <laughs> but I've got to dig in deep. And I, w- I would challenge all of you to dig in deep. Dig, make a commitment just to dig it. Meditate on God's word and pray for this church and pray for your family and friends and just pray for revival to come to our land in this time. Dig deep. Dig deep in your gratitude. Dig deep in your gratitude. I challenged our church last week to uh, use the time they brush their teeth. How many of you brush your teeth? Anybody brush your teeth? <laughs> how, uh, how many of you brush your teeth more than once a day? There's something called habit stacking. Anybody heard of habit stacking? That's where you, like brushing your teeth, it's just like, uh, you know, I've got one of these, you know, kind of a deals. And it can be mind-numbing and just do nothing. Why not fill it with gratitude? Stack a habit on there and say, God, what am I grateful for today? Did you know that uh, there's less dep- depression when people have a habit of gratitude? Uh, there's, they're, they're healthier. They have a better outlook on life. That's why God says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 that his will, how many of you want to know what God's will is? God's will for you is 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in all things, give thanks. Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. So develop gratitude. Go deep in that. Then I want to give you, here's another one that I think is very, very important for this next 10 years, is to go gratitude or, or, or go deep in your generosity. Go deep in your generosity. Generous people are just happier people. Would you agree with that? How many of you like being around really stingy people? Anybody? You, you love it. It's just so much fun. No! And God is a generous, generous God. I was talking to my wife. Uh, it's the first of the year, and we set goals in giving. Anybody set goals in giving? We set goals in how much we can give away and how much we're going to need to keep. And since we've started doing that, my life has become so much richer. Just, just and I'm not talking about dollar richer, just richer in so many ways because you recognize that you know, we're here for a season and we're stewards of what God has given us. God, what do you want me to keep? And what do you want to, what, what, what do you, how much do you want me to keep this year? And we were going through that this year. It was kind of exciting, kind of a, kind of a, a, a neat deal. And so I want to challenge you to go deep, go deep in your generosity. Go deep in your generosity, okay? Um, seek first the kingdom of God. 
above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. So ask yourself, where can I dig in differently in this season to place myself in a place of blessing for the next season? Does that make sense? Maybe just grab one of those things. All right, so let me quickly give you another thing. It's not as exciting as the first point, okay? Hang in there, it's short, but it's not as exciting. Here it is. Here's the second thing that I know about you and your church is that there will be challenges in the next season. There's gonna be. Jesus said in John 16 and verse 33, in this world, you will have trouble. Any testimonies on that? You're either in trouble, just coming out of trouble, or going into trouble. Isn't that fun? Yeah. That's, kind of, that's called life. I'll never forget the anticipation that pastors had going into a new season in 2020. Do you remember that? Because I mean, pastors like to preach vision. Every year, first of the year, we preach vision. And only once in our lifetime do we get to preach 2020 vision. I remember getting up and we preached 20. This is what God's going to do this year. And none of it happened. None of it. it COVID happened. And uh, COVID was, I mean, it was weird. It was a, 2020 had a global pandemic, a racial divide, political polarization. My friend Kerry Newhoff uh, wrote a blog post, said, how to pastor a church where nobody agrees with anybody about anything. I know it wasn't that way in this church, but in the other thousand churches that I'm responsible for, it was chaos. I mean, absolute chaos. And in the midst of it, um, People began to burn out. Um, uh, Fox News uh, ran an article that said pastors are battling skyrocketing burnout amid politics, pandemic, and all of that. It's wearing on the soul. George Barna did a survey that said 42% of pastors are burning out and would consider quitting if they had a chance. Um, and, and I began to see that. And in the midst of it, we started a retreat center that uh, Chris talked about called the Retreat at Church Creek, and I actually resigned as president of the Ark. And he's got great leadership, and I'm on the board. But I said I want to devote the rest of my life to helping pastors live well and finish strong. Uh, together with my counselor, I wrote a book called The Endurance Factor: uh, How Ministry Leaders Can Avoid Burnout, Live Well, and Finish Strong. But what we we found out since we've written the book is that pastors aren't the only one facing a unique challenge in this new season. Doctors and nurses and providers and teachers and parents and students and business owners and workers, there's a 25% increase in depression worldwide. In fact, in the, the community where uh, we have 14 campuses and our original campus is in a, a community that um, uh, is... Uh, uh, we, we, we paid somebody to survey the community. What are the needs? Because we want to meet the needs in the community. And uh, mental health is the number one need in the community. Opioid addiction is high. And it, this is an upscale community. We've got dream centers and, and communities that are more challenging. This, this, this is an upscale community. And it's got a major, major mental health issues. It's not just pastors. It's, it's everybody. It's everybody. And it's a challenging challenging seasons. You know, there, there, there will be times when you'll realize, realize inside that you were made to live in a garden. And there will be times when you'll feel like you're in a wilderness fighting for your life. Some of you are there today. Maybe it's in your own life. Maybe it's one of your children or a parent. 
And here's what I want to say to you. A couple of thoughts. You're not alone. You're not alone. Psalm 68 and verse 6 says, God sets the lonely in families. This is a family. And this is a family. One thing I love about this family is that it's a family of small groups. Uh, And God had a plan for loneliness. God had a plan for the pandemic and the issues that were. Did did you know, this is interesting, that, that None of this caught God by accident or or by surprise. Did you realize that? It's real hard to surprise an omniscient God. God's never had one of those, oh, my bad moments. And maybe you're surprised by something going on in your family right now or in your workplace. And it's not a surprise to God. Here's what's cool is that when it's not a surprise to God, that means he's at work on a solution when you didn't even realize you had a problem. And God has provided for lonely, for the lonely families. Take advantage of it. This is a church family. Get involved. Be a part of a small group. Get, go deep with people in their lives. Here's another thing. Uh, you're not alone. You're, you're not without hope. Jesus said we would have trouble, okay? But then he said, I told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. All right, so here's what I know about you guys, is that there are going to be blessings in the next season. There are going to be some challenges in the next season. Here's the last thing that I want to say to you, and that's this. Some of our biggest blessings are going to come out of our greatest challenge in the next season. Some of the biggest blessings that you have in your family, in your workplace, in this church, are going to come out of our greatest challenges. That's why that's why I'm real slow these days to put, a, to put a good or bad tag on something that happens. Because you never know. In the words of the great theologian Garth Brooks, thanks God for unanswered prayers. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? And there are things that we pray for and we don't get and we're bummed out and that's a bad tag and later you go, anybody have a testimony on that? Later you go, oh man, that was a good thing. That really was a good thing. And, and oh, by the way, if you put a bad tag on it and it really was a bad tag, Romans 8, 28 says God works all things together for our good. So you've got to remember that. But some of our biggest blessings are going to come out of our greatest challenge. Back to the story of Israel. God had blessed them, and then challenges came. Some came because life happens, and some came because they didn't dig in, and they didn't obey, and they went into captivity. And things were bad for a long time. It was a desert. And then the prophet Isaiah comes in with an encouraging word in the wilderness. And uh, it's Isaiah 31 in verse, or 35 in verse 1 and 2. And he says, even in the wilderness and desert, it will be glad in those days. He's, he's talking, here's, here's what he's doing. Let me, let me, let me set it up just for, for a minute because you guys will get this. You, some, of you have, some of you may very well have seen what he's seen because of where you live, the geography of where you live. Um, so they're in a desert area. And they're in not only a desert area of, uh, of living, but a desert area of life. And they've been under captivity. And, and he comes with an encouraging word. And he says, he says I'm going to show you something. And I believe what he's going to show them, he's seen in the physical before he saw in the spiritual. And let me, let me show you what I mean. So he says, 
In the, even in the wilderness, the desert will be glad in those days. The wastelands will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There, where? In the desert. The Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. It, let me explain what I mean. In the area where he lived, as well as here in California, in Israel, and just a couple other places in the world, there's a phenomena in the desert called a super bloom. Anybody heard of a super bloom? Okay, that's when a desert that just looks like it has nothing, nothing, nothing for years and years and years and years, there'll be a, an event, a, a rain, a, a deep rain, or what, maybe even like what's coming, or it's going somewhere else, not coming right here, but you know, whatever, that's what they're talking about today. But a rain will come. And it will seep into the, the crevices and cracks where there's seeds that seem to be dormant, but they come alive and there's a bloom. And it's just beautiful. It's just absolutely beautiful. And he's seen that. I know he's seen that because he lives in that area where that happens. And so spiritually, he makes application. He said, you're in a wilderness. You're in a desert. And God in the wilderness, you're not going to have to move somewhere else. You're not going to have to change your address. Did you know what? Here's the problem. You can move somewhere else and feel a little better for a while. I studied this uh, a couple of weeks ago for a message that I was going to do. This is scientific. Social scientists study this. But you adjust and adapt to wherever you go. In other words, the problem is you bring you with you. If you could leave you here, be okay. But when you change relationships or change zip codes or whatever it you, you think it needs in order to build it, you go with you, and so it'll be okay for a while, but then you'll be back where you're at. But here's what he says. He says, you don't have to, you don't have to go anywhere because in the wilderness, in the desert, I'm gonna bring my bloom and my, my blessing. I'll close with this. In, in 2018 uh, Thanksgiving, I will never forget. Uh, we have four kids. My youngest daughter is Jennifer. And uh, I like all my kids the same, but I like her the most. You know, you, know, you know what I mean? You guys understand that. And she's my baby and, and kind of the underdog. And um, the, uh, probably the rest of the kids aren't watching right now. And, uh, but they know this. They know this. But um, all she ever wanted to be was a mother. And she got married and, and faced fertility issues that um, she had two tubal pregnancies and eliminated the possibility of that. And then we went through in vitro fertilization in a God-honoring way. And, and um, uh, that was a, just a, a terribly frustrating season. And ultimately, though, the end of that um, is she has three kids and she's been able to minister to, you know, ladies who feel what, she knows what, what it feels like. And, and uh, but anyway, she came in 36 years old at the time, 2018 Thanksgiving dinner and uh, announced that she had cancer and uh, breast cancer. And uh, it's hard for me because uh, I know a lot of survivors. And there are survivors in this room of breast cancer, but my mom wasn't one of those. And my mom died at 54 years old. And so our, of the same thing, and our daughters um, have always, you know, it's always been a, a thing. Is this genetic? You know, and they can test for that. And, and so... Uh, and so it, it certainly changed our, our, our Thanksgiving. And uh, uh, 
uh, it was pretty serious. And so we do 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year, and uh, which I hate because I, I really like to eat. And uh, <laughs> just being real with you, okay? Just being real. That, that blessed somebody right there. But uh, my son Josh is the, I'm not the pastor anymore. See, because I'm a founding pastor, but that just means I got there first. And my son is the, is the lead pastor now. And he said, Dad, what do you think if we started our fast on first Wednesday and then we did on fourth Wednesday, we'll end it with a prayer for healing and pray for Jenny and there'll be other people like that. And I said, that sounds good, you know? I mean, I didn't have a lot of faith for it. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just being real. But yeah, let's, let's do that. And so uh, we did. And I'd love to tell you the whole story. It was an amazing story. I mean, um, one of our guitar players who plays with Brandon, he's played, played with Need to Breathe. He's our music director. He's a, he, he's a rock star. He really is an amazing guitar player, amazing guy. But he had a, a, a type of disease that was crippling for him. And I'd watch him behind the curtains come out before he would come out and play and just laying on the floor in pain and come out and a guy prayed for him from Nashville, Tennessee guy we didn't even know and over the phone and he was healed and he went to his doctor and I haven't seen a lot of that in my life, I don't know if you have but I have and so Josh said what if we bring this guy in and have him you know teach and pray for people and I said that sounds great so the night before we had the service the guy came in and I asked him I said because he, he didn't look like what I thought a guy would look like that had that kind of, you know, you get these preconceived ideas. So I said, uh, how do you normally handle this in a large church, you know, where we do this? And he said, well, I've never really done it in a large church. I said, well, how do you handle it in a small church? He said, well, I've never really done it in a small church. I said, where did you learn how to pray? He said, on YouTube. I said, oh my God, oh my God. Houston, we have a problem. I went home and told my wife, I said, this could be a real dumpster fire tomorrow, I'm telling you. And uh, so, so I told him, I said, we do services on the weekend. We do, you know, a lot of them. So we do an hour at a time. And then we do, uh, we do a first Wednesday, we'll do an hour and a half because we've got kids in the nursery and stuff. So I laid out the service. I'm very much like that. I want to, it's got to be in order. And uh, so I told him he'd have this slot and be an hour and a half and we'll pray for people and all this. I won't tell you all about it, but seven and a half hours later, the service ended, okay? 2.30 in the morning. We saw things I've never seen in my life, ever, 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 ever in my life. I've never seen anything like it. And uh, that happened again. Uh, six weeks later, we were, we were getting ready to move into a big, big building. More people than could, three times as many people as what could fit into the big building that we had. People lined up and people, it stopped traffic on the highways. Out, uh, out and around. It was just unreal, just an unreal season. And um, in fact, Brandon Lake, who you mentioned, uh, the, his, his album, House of Miracles, is all about that. The song Gratitude, I don't know if you've heard that one. He wrote that out of that whole experience. And uh, it's just an amazing time. And, and yet my, my daughter came to me and she was not one of those that received a healing like that. And we believe that God heals through miracles, through medicine, and through heaven, okay? So everybody we pray for gets healed, all right? And don't, don't forget that heaven is the ultimate destination. And uh, she said, you know, I believe that God is going to heal me in a different way, maybe to be uh, a testimony just like I've been a testimony in, in, uh, in the fertility area and, 
And she went through seven surgeries. And she's, she's cancer-free. Good. But the point is this. Out of our biggest pain and our biggest challenge, God brought the greatest season of healing and wholeness and blessing in our church and in our lives. And I want to say this to you. God never wastes a pain. God never wastes a circumstance. There are some of you here today that maybe it's a physical thing for you. And I want to pray for healing because when God is in the house, you never know what can happen. Some of you are in a, in a painful place relationally or maybe it's one of your kids and it's just, it's so hard right now. You're this far away from God turning that into a great blessing. And so would you stand together with me? I'm, I'm done. I don't, I don't really know how to end this service. So I'll just be through. But here's what I'd like to do. Would you bow your heads all, all, all the way through here? Number one, first thing I want to do, listen, if you don't know Jesus, you need to start your journey today. If, if, if you're here and you say, you know what? I want to come into a personal relationship with the God of the universe. Or maybe you've been walking at a distance for a long, it's been a while. Would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. Just raise your hand real quick, okay? All right, okay. Great, awesome, awesome, awesome. We're going to pray for that. How many of you right now, you're in a, you're in a season of just pain in some way. Maybe it's your own personal life. It's a family member. It could be physical, financial. could be anything. Just raise your hand. Would you raise your hand? Okay. All right. All right. Good. I want to pray for you. Can I pray for you right now? God, I thank you. I thank you, first of all, for Jesus Christ. So many were baptized today just signifying that relationship with Jesus. I thank you for Jesus. God, I thank you for the people who have gathered Lord, I pray right now for those who raise their hands, maybe some didn't, and right now they're acknowledging, I want to come into personal relationship with the God of the universe through Jesus Christ. Just say that to him in your own way. I want to come into relationship with you. I want to know you more. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I fall short all the time. But thank you for Jesus. And I want to walk with you. I want this next year, these next years, to be years of significance as I walk with you. God, I pray for those who bring pain into this room. Maybe it's physical pain. Lord, I pray for healing right now in Jesus' name. We've seen that happen. Nothing is too great. Nothing is too difficult for you, God. I pray that you would bring wholeness and healing. God, I pray for family members that are walking away, that are straying, that are questioning their faith. For those that maybe are just in a, in a hard place financially right now, in, in a workspace or in a relationship with a marriage that's just going through some things that just seem like it's, it's so painful right now. God, we thank you for the super bloom. We thank you for your blessing that's able to come in the wilderness, in the desert. And we receive that and call that out right now in Jesus' name. We're going to walk with you. We're going to love you. And we're going to see you work in our lives. And God, I pray also for this church. And I pray for the next 10 years that it would be a, a time of blessing and harvest and reaping. And Lord, we just thank you for that. Trust you in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives change through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. Gotta, gotta keep on